Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report Podcast. I have a cold, so I'm going to make this pretty short and sweet. I have my two good friends, Phil Dirksen and John Turner, on the show today to talk about their recent uh, transitions into uh, larger brands. So Phil going uh, the Sand Hills development route with Pippin and uh, his team over there, Easy Digital Downloads, Restore Content Pro, all of those great brands that we all know. And John going with Awesome Motive, with uh, most notably Syed Balki and Thomas Griffin uh, under that label and both bringing their respective products uh, and services to those companies. So um, they have made this announcement quite some time ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point, uh, but this was recorded uh, maybe about a month ago, sort of dive into what it was like to make those decisions. What's really going to change for them? What's really going to change for their software? What's going to change for their customers? Um, and what's the future look like. So definitely some great insight there. And it really plays well into the whole theme of this season, which is the change of WordPress. A lot of this stuff coming because you know, they, they've sort of reached a peak uh, as solo entrepreneurs in the WordPress space. They could only take their business so far until they realized, look, I need more smart people around me to get to the next level. And that's, ex- that's the gist of why they've sort of made this move. And I really hope you enjoy the lessons uh, and the insights that they share with you today. little side note, I started another podcast, if you follow me on Twitter, with our good friend Brad Williams uh, of Web Dev Studios, a fellow podcaster. We started a podcast called the uh, Brad and Matt Limited Edition Totally Random Show Beta one, uh, except we couldn't use the word beta one when I submitted it to iTunes. Uh, in fact, it just got approved today, which is Thursday. Um, and uh, I don't know if it'll be available right when you hear this, but it will be soon in iTunes. But you can find us on anchor.fm, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, about seven other platforms were out there. And uh, we're just riffing on random things that we find interesting, tech, web, life. Uh, and then, of course, always some WordPress sprinkled in. We can't seem to get away from it. So if you're interested in listening to another show, uh, more of a conversational piece, then uh, check that out. As always, we'd love a five-star review in iTunes for The Matt Report. Really helps Really helps me keep doing this stuff. Got a lot of great shows left for 2018 and then a few more into 2019. Then we'll do another break. We'll create another season, see how things go around here. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Matt Report Season 8. And as you know, we've been doing roundtables, special guests, duos uh, of folks on the show, uh, and super excited today to talk to Phil Dirksen and John Turner. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Yeah, All right. Thank thanks you, Matt. for having us. So the story arc, the change of WordPress. Is there change in the WordPress uh, ecosystem? Uh, folks who've been listening, of course, know my uh, take on things, but uh, John, Phil, have made some pretty big changes in their in their careers so far, uh, and they're going to talk to us about that today. Uh, John, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, joining Awesome Motive, uh, taking your product line and, and bringing it to Awesome Motive, but through the through the portal of their uh, their accelerator. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, correct. So originally they opened up a accelerator application about, I guess it was late summer, early fall, where they were just going to um, help companies grow uh, through an accelerator program. And I decided to apply to that. And after I talked to Syed, we both felt like it would make more sense for me to come in as a partner 
um, since my product was in line with what they were doing over at Awesome Motive and their their strategy over there. So yeah, we just I decided to join forces with them, and that's kind of where we're at right now is in that process of merging everything. Nice. And now, do you still partake in the accelerator? Like, you're still going to run through the paces of a structured accelerator exactly so we're all following following uh awesome motives playbook along with the other companies that were just announced the other day which are member press and formidable forms so yes we'll i'll be in the cohort with them and going through basically everything that needs to be done to to grow awesome yeah Uh, but i'll have more support since i'm obviously in the awesome motive family i'll have uh, access to their resources more so you're gonna get the answer to all the quizzes while everyone else is struggling doing the homework is what you're telling me. right yeah. <laughs> uh, uh phil you joined another uh large brand in the wordpress community space and business space uh sand hills development tell us about how uh what you have going on there. yeah sure so uh like john i've been running just a small ish um a lot of the time a one-man show plug-in company um with some you know some help here and there some contractor help but pretty small operation, one product um, for a while now, at least one product. Uh, my product is WP Simple Pay, which is a Stripe payments and subscriptions plugin. But I, um, I've been using uh, uh, so Sandhills Development. They they have easy digital to down EDD easy digital downloads affiliate WP Restrict Content Pro and so forth. Um, a whole suite of products uh, team. Uh, originally founded by Pippin Williamson, but also other partners too. And um, I was just looking at, I was looking at options of where I wanted to take my product, my company, and if I wanted to grow or to hire out a team and, um, and just approached uh, them or approached Pippin with the idea of merging our products together and working together. And since uh, with, just over the months of the summer, um, it, it seemed to make sense as far as where I wanted to go, where they were going, um, how our products fit together, um, and, and so forth. So it just, we talked, we, we, we worked it out over the summer and um, just started working together last month, October. And uh, now I'm just, uh, we're kind of just, I have support help now. Um, I have development help now. Um, and then I can also um, work on with, uh, with the other partners and people on the other products too. So just all helping each other out. Uh, so when I talk to folks, uh, this season, uh, and I, and I'm witnessing folks on, on Twitter and, and Facebook groups, you know, saying things like, you know, uh, uh, this going alone thing at this product, um, it was great for a while, but it can, it's not the easiest path, right? We see a lot of people, and it's interesting, like if you've been following startups in the WordPress economy or product economy, whatever, however you want to label it, uh, years ago, it was like, get out there, do it alone. And then a couple of years later, it was like, raise money. And then a couple later, a couple of years after that, it was like, don't raise money, you know, do this sort of crowdfunding thing. And, and you start to see like this roller coaster ride of, of different ways that people have uh, approached, quote unquote, internet business with air quotes in the air. Um, and you see it kind of go back and forth. Like a lot of people started out solo and then they join a company, then they leave the company and they, that wasn't for me. <laughs> then they go back and they start another product and they do the whole cycle all over again. What's the mindset? And uh, John, I'll start with you. What's the mindset that you're shifting into now? Like 
solopreneur, beating the streets yourself. What does it feel like to now like join a company like Awesome Over? Was that either relief or even a fear that you might have? Now I have people yeah. to report to. <laughs> sure. What is sure. that like? Uh, so I had been doing the solo thing for about six or seven years, and I was very in a comfortable place. And myself personally, I like to continue to grow. And when I saw, I felt like I wasn't growing. You know, I was definitely making a good income and, and everything was rosy, but I wasn't taking it to the next level, which I wanted to do. And when I saw the application pop up, I, I kind of went back and forth internally on whether I wanted to do that or not. And then when I applied and talked to Syed, the more I realized that I did want to do that and grow and level up and be around people that are super smart and have that account accountability. Um, so I am very happy with the decision. And if you're familiar with Syed's work and the rest of the partners, Thomas, Jared, Chris, I mean, they're really smart guys. Actually, the whole team at Awesome Motive, just an amazing team over there. And I'm really excited to be a part of it and just super excited to grow. I mean, it's uh, and it's personal growth as well, you know. Um, is there yeah. one thing that sort of maybe even held you back from hitting the submit button? Uh, was there one thing that you just thought in your head like, uh, maybe this isn't for me? Is there one thing that maybe you sort of anchored to uh, out of out of fear for, for this? Uh, well, basically, it's just the fear of change, right? You get comfortable of doing the same thing over and over again today. It feels good, right? It's right. it's It's... The, you've got certainty, right? Whereas you don't do it, you have uncertainty. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, the uncertainty excited me, which made me want to take that leap of faith and, and, and do it. Yeah. Phil, how about you? Uh, I would say a lot of the same things John said for me, uh, you know, being solo, having a pretty good, you know, a good level of revenue for the small company that we were to support me and my family. And, uh, you know, I had... I had some support and writing teams that I contracted to. Um, but um, what one of my concerns or, or what I kind of felt nagging at me for a while was, although I had a lot of happy customers with the, with the product, I, I felt a lot of them, they didn't, I wasn't giving them what they asked for um, over a long period of time, like things that they might've expected after six months or a year they, they didn't get from me because the, you know, the pace at which we were, um, releasing features and, and different things was not keeping up with the demand. And in fact, I'd have to, a lot of times I'd recommend a lot of other products. Like I'd recommend EDD because they needed to start, mm -hmm. you know, doing, doing some things that my product couldn't do or, um, just, yeah. And just like, um, I was also kind of i was getting i was getting worn out on changing my focus almost every day like from moving from developer to business side to marketing and back and forth to support and i felt like my focus um even though i had only one product to focus on which was good in the past i've had multiple plugins which has been tough to split focus on too but now i i wanted to move towards like i would like to work on say marketing and um and, and product strategy all week and not have to dive into the code and dive into support if, but you know, I couldn't do that at, at my size. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to grow. And so, you know, which led to this, just like, just like John did, I felt that nagging at me. And I also wanted to get out of my shell, work with some other smart people, some people I knew, some people I didn't, but, uh, 
you know, like, like Austin Motive, Sandhills has a, has an awesome team. Um, and I'm getting to know some of them now, but it's, I mean, they're just doing a lot of good stuff over there and I'm really enjoying working with a group now instead of just going in and starting in on solo on something every day, you know? I'll let me throw this uh, question out. Uh, what do you think is more important to the growth of a product? Is it the marketing side or is it the the actual product itself? Uh, what is your opinion on that? Uh, it, it, it can be both at times. I felt right now um, the, the product itself, it, we needed to in, improve on that, the features and the stability and the, well, it's stable, but it, like, just planning for the future and all the and what's coming for and what people are asking for but at other times i have definitely have um times where you, you need to get the word out you need to spend more time on yeah. marketing and focus on that for a while so um and i would flip-flop with that but um yeah it just depends it just depends where it's at john what do you think um so i'm gonna say definitely the marketing side i mean you can have an okay product and and stellar marketing and it's going to do really well yeah you could have a killer product and touching the surface on marketing and it's just gonna not do anything yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and i spent many years like that you know i built a lot of products that were awesome and i didn't know how to market them and they would just sit there right, right. i mean it took me 20 years to get where i'm at right you know, learning that lesson basically yeah i mean as i have these conversations with with product uh, owners and, and and even service-based businesses uh, around the wordpress space i'm always torn and, and trying to figure out is it is this a WordPress thing where maybe the, the ecosystem isn't big enough. So in order to, uh, you know, even if it's, even if it's just folks who are just, you know, uh, leaving the product space and getting a day job, it, had their product done better, would they have stayed, you know, yes or no, who, who really knows. But in order to, for people to grow and, and scale their business, uh, they basically, <laughs> the most constant thing is they need to, they're going to need to be making more money, right? They need to be selling a little bit more for them to be like, okay, this thing is working. Um, so I'm always wrestling with uh, the idea of, well, is it a marketing issue for most folks? Because when I listen to interviews and I listen to podcasts, I hear a lot of people say that. They say, I should have marketed my product better. If I was doing better at marketing, I could be doing this. Um, I don't really hear a lot of people saying, well, if I baked in this feature or if I, if I you know, made the code better, it would have been selling more. I always hear the constant of, of the marketing side. Um, and just the other day, I heard somebody say, you know, if, if they had $100,000, they would invest it in content marketing. And what really hit me was that is like the new way of looking at it. It's an insane amount of investment and time and money to do marketing right. Can these WordPress businesses do it and survive uh, against, you know, brands like Awesome Motive and Sandhills Development and, you know, even the copy bloggers of the world to see them get absorbed by WP Engine. You think, wow, they were a marketing company first. And it almost shows you like to really compete, you have to spend a lot of money in that marketing and promotional side of, of the house. I guess all of this is to say is how valuable or, or what kind of dollars and cents do you put on or did you put on your marketing? Uh, was it paper uh, click ads? Was it, you know, sponsored posts? Was it your own content marketing? Was it an email newsletter? Like what did you do really well in the company? And maybe what did you do? What did you think you could do better before joining your respective brands? Uh, John, I'll give it to you first. 
Um, well, I've learned that there's no magic bullet when it comes to marketing. Um, you've got to try all the various channels, uh, you know, whether it be .org or Facebook or content marketing or whatever. And typically it's a combination of those that works. And then once you find out what's working, you need to double down on it. Because when you're small, you don't have a big marketing budget to spread across all the various channels. You need to focus on one or two and really nail it. So that's kind of when it comes to marketing, you know, you need to, to be focused when you're small and really focus on what's working for you. And finding that's, you know, not always easy. Right. <laughs> and that, that's the struggle, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you see people say, well, just go do some content marketing. So they say, okay, they read a couple of tutorials, they watch some videos, they listen to some podcasts, and then they just put out like this, you know, blanket, what, what I see all the time, myself guilty and uh, included in this is you just put out this blanket WordPress content, 30,000 30, themes that do restaurants, uh, 800 plugins that do this. And it's just like this, you, you just satisfy yourself and you just say, well, I'm doing content marketing, you know, give it to me. Um, Phil, what do you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the whole marketing thing? Yeah, I would, um, agree. I, the, this last year I put a big, or I, I spent a lot on content marketing and hiring some writers, um, and that's not something I did before this year. I tried writing myself, but it would be few and far between. Like I said, with because of because of the um, splitting my time and not making enough time for for writing myself. Um, but I also would say, yeah, um, like John said, finding what what works and that changes over time. I think John and I got started with plugins when it was still. Um, it was a little more common to that you could you could create something and maybe after a few tries you got a plugin noticed in on wordpress.org on the repo um and that's how mine first took off and i think john's too but that is a lot harder to do now a lot more to get noticed and that's why marketing is more important now uh, for plugins uh, and and themes and, and wordpress products because there's just a lot more noise um so yeah, I agree. That's and and now you know with Sandhills Development, there's a marketing team that I'm a part of, and they've already been going. They have they have dedicated writers and dedicated people to to reaching out and and promoting the product. So I think that's a lot more crucial now than than ever. So who do you think is doing it really well? Your your respective companies mm -hmm. aside, who, who what other brands are doing it really well with content marketing in the WordPress space? Uh, either one of you can hop on that one i hmm. think I'll, I'll throw my my, my first <laughs> one out there uh, uh yeah go ahead uh, brad tunard from um delicious brains they do a, a great job with their content marketing yeah. um and i would say you know i know i work for the company but pagely they do a really good job uh with uh with content marketing in terms of the, uh, the writers and the quality of the material that they put out mm -hmm. um Anyone else that you all look up to that's doing really good content? Yeah, marketing? I would say um, uh, Chris Badgett and team over at Lifter LMS. They they put out a lot yeah. of content, and yes, even though I'm not, that's not, I'm not real familiar with LMS uh, software. They, um, I know John and I have been on his. Um, he has a he has a podcast centered around uh, learning management systems, so he's he's doing that quite a bit. Um, and so he's putting out that kind of content as well. So I think they do that well. Yeah, and, and just to follow, I agree. Uh, uh, Chris is, Chris, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chris is doing a great job over there because it's really focused. I mean, his content marketing is 
targeted. He's not just throwing stuff against the wall, right? It has intent behind it. So uh, he's doing a great job. And, and I agree, Delicious Brains is really knocking it out of the park, too. Yeah, and, it, and Chris is a great example because, uh, again, this other thing that I, I'm focused on, and, and because I do a, a local podcast in my, in my local community for the entrepreneurs around here, I end up talking about content marketing a lot and and how, again, going back to how expensive it really is, a lot of people pitch it as, oh, it's so easy. You do some blog posts, uh, you do some Instagram stories, and you're not really having to pay anybody. If you have the time to do it, then you just do it. And that's great, right? <laughs> I mean, but and it, and it only works up to a certain point until you as the owner of the business are too busy to do that. And then you have to employ somebody or hire somebody. And then you realize, oh my God, uh, blogging can become expensive if you're doing it consistently at a high degree uh, of quality. And that's not all you have to do. You have to do video production. You have to do blogs. I mean, you have to do podcasts. You have to do webinars. And Chris is a great example because he does all of that stuff. And you see how much time goes into it. It sort of has you sit back a little bit and say, wow, there's a lot of stuff that has to go into this. So if somebody's out there and they're launching their product, what do you think is the best way into figuring this stuff out is the first thing somebody should do is create a podcast like you guys are, are, are doing um or is it to do blogging like what, what what do you think if you had to redo it all over again what would that one marketing channel you would pursue first and foremost to test the waters uh, um well like i said dot org is probably if in the wordpress space just getting on dot org just get and, on and dot org. converting yeah is converting that traffic the exposure you get you get on .org is is gonna trump any content marketing you can do out of the gate. So yeah, I would definitely say if you can get something on .org, it helps you, you know. And and then obviously figuring out how to rank it now is the next thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to start somewhere, right. right? I mean, you've got to get it in there, and and you'll get a couple eyes on it, and just start, you know. So in that in that regard, you'd have to actually probably have to focus on the product name, the description in the plugin uh, uh, directory, um, probably some reviews and things like that, and making sure people are actually reviewing it and, and working that whole more technical uh, concept, almost like SEO, but for .org. Um, build that up first and then go content. Uh, Phil, what do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went that route. I'd have to agree with that, but I know some people go the content route first, even with uh, WordPress products, and maybe they don't even have a free version in the repo. Um, and in that case, it's hard to say. I, I, content marketing or just you know blogging, pumping out posts, um, I think it's still the big one, but I, I like the podcast uh, slash uh, YouTube you know, style as well, just another form of content. Um, mm. But uh, I like how so, uh, so Joe Howard of WP Buffs, he just started WP MRR podcast and surrounded around mm -hmm. his new his new service, his new offering. So I like how he's doing that. And like I said, how Chris uh, at, at Lifter is doing that. And um, yeah, I mean, and then once you find something that's working, uh, you know, you can double down on it. But um, yeah, on all the while building your email list, of course. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say, but I think yeah, the, the biggest thing is that in the Word, WordPress space now, pretty much every niche has become pretty competitive. So it's hard to just jump in there. I mean, you've got to, you know, <laughs> slowly build up, right? Yeah. Take baby steps. 
and yeah, it's, it's not easy, but you know, it's, I think a lot of people, yeah. so I think it's, I think there's, there's two sides, um, to this is, uh, many folks will go the more technical route and, and, and try to rank in, in .org and, and use a product name that's, that people are going to be searching for, which is totally legit and, and probably the best way to do it. Um, but as competition continues to grow, I feel like a lot of people go too far, uh, you know, too long with just doing the technical stuff. And then they realize, oh my God, there's more competition. Sales are going down. Numbers are going down. I guess I'll start marketing versus starting to market right out of the gate. And then what they do is they just throw out a, a blanket set uh, of content. Um, you know, my quick advice would be, I would start podcast first because you actually meet people, right? Especially if you don't know anybody. I guess this is somebody who's just starting out. If you're not really sure, you know, of, of of everyone and, and how the space works, or if you're getting into new markets, that kind of thing, uh, or more importantly, interviewing your customers and leveraging customer stories as fast uh, as you possibly can. And having these conversations, number one, allows you to, uh, again, meet new people, build up a Rolodex of, of a network of, of people that can share your, your thoughts and, and your content and your product, of course. Uh, but then all of that stuff can get repurposed. So instead of going the 15 themes for landscapers. It, it, you have great conversations that you can repurpose customer uh, case studies if you're interviewing customers, that kind of thing, and really shift to make marketing work for not just the lead gen, but uh, closing sales, right? Stuff that people can look at and say, you know what? Social proof, it's outlined in this blog post. I can listen to them talk about it in this podcast as well. I'm going to buy this product. Um, I think that's where a lot of people are missing the boat. And I think a lot of people missing the boat, they start too late. They forget to tell their story, right? And and then it comes too late and they're looking at the numbers and, ah, I guess I should do that whole, you know, get myself out there thing. Yeah. You, <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, damn, you right. should have done it a while you need ago. To, yeah, you definitely need to be marketing from the beginning, um, almost yeah. in parallel. Uh, that, that's yeah. tougher to start that engine going later. And let's not discount yeah. uh, word of mouth as being a channel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. you have to be scrappy in the beginning, but you know, talking one-on-one -on -one to people that might use your product or might need your product and, and getting their feedback and, and making changes and pivoting and doing that early on. I think that's, that's pretty crucial as well to get your product right. But then once you do get it right, you already have this small group of people using it and can maybe, you know, maybe they want to tell a bunch of people cause they love it so much or whatever. So yeah, the, again, story arc, WordPress is, is changing, or at least that's what I'm saying. Um, we've sort of already said so far in this show that we know competition is going up. Like from when you guys started to where WordPress is now, we know it's more competitive, so that's a definite. Um, what about pricing in the market? And I'm sure you guys are, have paid close attention to pricing and, and competitor pricing and, and tweaking pricing with your, with your products. How has that changed? Do you see a good or bad swing of pricing, uh, happening right now in the WordPress space? Uh, I see a, I see a good swing. Um, it's happened the last few years. I think, uh, most, a lot of where I shouldn't say most, but a lot of, uh, plugins and themes and such have gone to, um, automatic recurring, uh, subscription. So, as far as I know, that's not necessarily price specific price related, but, um, that keeps, you know, that's, that's been a huge boon to sales or just keeping those customers not churning out. So they don't have to manually renew each, each year. Also not discounting those annual, um, renewals, you know, in the past, like getting a discount on 
subsequent years, and still a lot of people do that, seem to be the norm when you talk to anybody in SaaS and they're like, what do you mean you discount subsequent years? Or even, or even hosting, right? <laughs> hosting, it's probably the, it's right. the opposite. You usually get the first year at a discount. So yeah, it's yeah. like, even, even if you charge annual, what's the purpose for that? Are they not getting that much value on it out of it after the first year? Well, they should be. So why discount it? So, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say that I think that, so as WordPress matures, you have these companies that are consolidating, getting big and they can charge higher because obviously when you have a big company behind a product, you get more of a it's going to be there tomorrow, right? And then the user can count on it and it can be used in a business environment where there needs to be a company behind it. So I think you'll you'll you're, you'll continue to see these companies be able to charge a premium, whereas new people coming on the scene and not don't have much of a re- reputation are going to start trying to undercut those prices and come in lower. But then again, you don't know if that plugin will be there the next day. Right. So I think you're going to see a dividing line. So I, I have the same feelings as you is I think it is, um, I had actually expected prices to go. And again, Chris Badgett, another great example of, of, of higher tier pricing that I see in the space Sandhills development, of course, uh, awesome motive with Optin monster. Um, arguably more SaaS than it is uh, plug-in at this point. But the uh, I do see it in the positive for the for the businesses. Do we feel that the customers understand that though? Uh, do we, from your support tickets and, and dealing with, um, you know, selling your products, do you feel like customers are starting to get more conditioned to higher prices and actually value the fact that they're actually buying something from somebody that they know? I do. I mean, I, I feel like customers are buying our products and making money on of themselves, right? Yep. yep. Uh, unless they're the end user. You, you didn't then, get any. And in that case, go ahead. You didn't get. I was it. just going to say, if they're the end user, they're going to they're getting much, you know, the value out of it that that, that it's worth. So yeah, I, I think yeah. No hate mail when when you announced that you were joining Awesome from your customer base. No, no. I just get excitement. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of excitement because yeah. people know, you know, like I said, if you can get big companies, obviously have reputations and they don't get that reputation for having crappy products, right? right? People know that there's good stuff coming out of it. So, yeah. Phil, how about you? People are used to giving you some money without uh, complaining about it or if you raise prices, no one was jumping off the ship? No, um, for the most part. No, I mean, uh, I have not gotten complaints when I raised prices. Uh, let's see, the last time I did that, a little over a year ago. But at the same time, I launched, uh, you know, some some big uh, feature releases too and, and kind of explained why I was raising prices. Um, also, with the annual recurring, I have not gotten that many complaints. I think people expect it. I think before I had it, I had people asking is my my card's gonna be charged again right this year like they were expecting it (laughs) and maybe i'm getting a lot of people that are coming into wordpress um you know like they're pretty new to wordpress so they're expecting the same thing they pay some other service like whatever some other SaaS product or that or hosting that's annual so i think they're already used to that i don't think it's a big deal anymore um at least not what i see and then also to to john's point i i I also just received positive response for joining Sandhills. And I think also seeing, seeing that there is not, not that you can't have a, uh, reliable, uh, perceivably reliable, 
um, product company in WordPress and, and be really small or solo. But I think if people see that, oh, you, you know, you're, you're partnered up with this team and um, there's these other people. And so if, if something happens to you, um, you know, hit by a bus rule or whatever it is that, you know, that's, it's still going to keep going. And, um, and in our case too, they can go to different products. If one doesn't fit, we still may keep that customer because we have a solution that fits them. That's a different one, you know? And, um, and also too, just like, uh, so like, Awesome Motive, you guys, Optin Monsters is SaaS. You know, we've we've been working on a SaaS as well, or I should say Sandals has for a while. And because, you know, we want to capture some of those people that where a plugin's not the right fit. So, yeah. How, how did you both uh, balance uh, user feedback? So, uh, or feature uh, enhancements and, Hey, it would be great if you did this and great if you did that. And John, I think I sent you a bunch of things when I was using, uh, uh, the giveaway plugin, like things that I saw, I was like, Oh, this was awesome. Like it, um, I think it would be great if it also did this because so much of the success, um, is, I don't know, I guess I'll just throw like staying boring, right. Staying to this one thing that you do really good. And like, this is it. Uh, and so many entrepreneurs themselves are like, but I can do this. I can do that. I can add this. It's gonna be awesome if I do this. Um, and customers the same way. I think you both have done a good job of, of managing that. Um, how did you do it? How did you stay on pace with accepting customer feedback? Like, what did you do? Did you just ask them to send you an email? Did they just send you these unsolicited emails? Did you have a system for that? Um, and then how did you measure yes or no to a feature? Uh, to a product. So before I joined Awesome Motive, I would do um, a yearly survey. And I would, in that survey, would be some of the feedback I got during the year and say, hey, what would you like to see next? Here are some options. And then based on that, kind of let that drive where it's going to go next. So I think the biggest thing is you listening to the majority of your customers. If you get a one-off request, it's kind of you don't you don't always want to cater to every need because every feature you put in is going to be a support burden down the line. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree with John on the I did a survey as well, but I also um, I keep I, I I tag a lot of the support um, requests that are actually feature requests, and um, I start to build up categories of you know, the top features, they start rising to the top and then I keep track of those in a spreadsheet. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm talking to customers, see what they're in, basically in support channels, but it's also pre-sales um, and um, kind of wait, paying customers a little bit higher. What they're asking for is the next feature and kind of just keep collecting that and prioritizing and weighing that with how much it'll take to, to develop that, you know, feature X, Y, or Z. And just go from there, but definitely very, very cautious about adding anything, you know, any extra features or settings that are going, because you know that's going to add to support down the road. And if you want to take something away because only a couple of people use it and it's causing problems in support or confusion in, in you know, user onboarding, it's, it's too hard to take away later. Mm. So. Speaking of uh, sort of feature creep and, and feedback and complexity, uh, I feel like the WordPress community has never been so divided before as it is now with uh, pending 5.0 coming in a couple of weeks, Gutenberg, uh, Jetpack, a lot of these sort of changes where uh, it's definitely, we're starting to see this monetization 
of .com bleeding into .org and, and vice versa through Jetpack. Um, what's your general gut feeling say about uh, 5.0 and, and Gutenberg and this divide that we have going on? Is it, is it going to change things for product owners or do you see a, a, a brighter light at the end of the tunnel after the dust settles from this? Is there more opportunity now for, for folks or is it going to be tighten up the seatbelts for, for a couple of years around here? I'm kind of a, in a wait and see pattern. I really don't know how how the general republic or uh, the general public is going to react to this change. Um, just viewing the initial feedback, it doesn't look positive. But you know, it's it's depending on which side you listen to, you get a different you know view of the situation. So I I, I am in a wait and see pattern. I really don't know how this is going to play out. And I would love to hear your guys' opinion because yeah, I don't know. Phil, uh, you? Yeah, I I don't know I don't know either I I know I, I'm expecting you know su- support basically to <laughs> start getting hammered. <laughs> the roof. Yeah. Um. So so bracing for that. Um. Maybe maybe proactively or um. I guess that's it's coming up quick. But you know having some extra documents and videos and whatnot for for support to help people out with. Um. Our, well, uh, my, my WP Simple Pay, my product is, I don't think it'll be affected as much as, and I think some of the other Sandals products, not as much, although I'm not sure, but I, I'm mean, comparing it to like, well, page builders, for instance, number one, that's, that's a big effect. And then theme builders and stuff. I think it just depends on the product as well. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. customers are going to, or users of WordPress that are using your plugin, they're going to get jarred. Um, but I don't know how, I don't know how much and in what way. So, uh. yeah, I mean, I, I could be looking at it wrong with some of the more visual, uh, like display, uh, plugins or features that, that people are used to putting, uh, in their WordPress site. You know, I, I just looking back at some of the headlines, you see, you know, all of these folks saying, you know, there's opportunity in building blocks, right. And, and having these blocks that you can, uh, sell to customers. But then I feel like, my God, like if we're just selling like little micro blocks, like what's your price point? Like what are people selling things for these days? Is it like five bucks and you get this block and you can go to somebody's site or buy a block for a block, a buck a block, like you can get buck a shuck mm-hmm. oysters. You can get buck a block. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to go register that domain right now. Um, you know, like I feel like this, this move and, and folks who are immediately jumping into the opportunity of Gutenberg, um, I just don't know what kind of uh, uh, product company people can build by jumping right into the, the pool of blocks with Gutenberg to, to take advantage of it. I guess when the dust settles, whoever lasted the longest will be the one on top, um, which is, is good for them. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a mixed bag about the opportunity. What I, what I do feel is that it is... Um, what we're seeing anyway, and again, you guys don't have to put the crazy tinfoil hats on, but I will, uh, is the way it's a way to sassify uh, .org installations. In other words, with Jetpack enabled, with building your website with Gutenberg, much like you log into a SAS, you get those little reminders. It says, hey, don't forget to check this. Don't forget to check that. Oh, by the way, your subscription, it's going to be up pretty soon. Don't forget to renew. Or you hit 3,000 contacts, the next step up in our plan is, you know, 300 bucks a month. 
this is a way to, uh, when Jetpack and Gutenberg are married together, not immediately, but in six months to a year, you will definitely get some premium upsells as you're building the site where people are spending the most amount of time on and they're going, oh, I can just buy this contact form block for two bucks from Jetpack. No problem. Let's drag this bad boy right over here and there it is. I don't need to go search for a contact form plugin. Uh, I can, you know, connect somebody to my Stripe account by dragging this 99 cent block over here. Boom, I can do that. Um, that's my crazy theory in terms of, uh, of how Gutenberg and Jetpack might impact uh, product owners. Um, it's a little bit scary for me anyway when I, when I visualize that future, but who knows? We don't know. Now, are you visualizing this or have you heard a little bird been <laughs> talking to you? <laughs> uh, no. It's, How much do you actually know about this? Man? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's to me, uh, it's the only it's the only thing that, you know, makes sense. I mean, you guys know how much money passes through WordPress.org, right? And, and other people have, have posted about this before in much more scathing reviews than I have put out, but... Um, there's a lot of money that goes through WordPress.org. And how one could not integrate that and take a percentage of it uh, is either because they have a grand master plan that's way better than what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? Which is probably the case. Um, and two, it's like, you know, uh, what is the, how does one interact with that? So um, I remember interviewing Matt Mullenweg a couple of years ago and when he talked about, um, you know, one of the case studies that they did with WordPress.com was to see when somebody first signed up, they would A-B test buttons, a uh, very large button right in the center of the screen that said, go write your first post, and then a little tiny button in the corner that said, you know, customize your site. And they would A-B test that stuff. And he said, you know, the person who said, hey, I want to, uh, I want to customize my site was the first thing, was the, the, even when it was a tiny little button in the corner, uh, they would find that more than create my first post. I think that, I think Matt, to take a step back, I think Matt and Automatic, as big as they are, as much money as he has, faces the same issues that we face is there's not enough time. We can't iterate fast enough. So he says things years ago, which I think play out today. Um, much like he said years ago at, at Pressnomics about the, the, uh, the impact of Jetpack on WordPress has been really great for WordPress was him visualizing five years down the road to the current day where it is a premium plugin that people are buying premium services through. Um, and I think Gutenberg will unlock new things in order for them to monetize it. Um, again, crazy theories aside, I don't think it's a bad thing. If that's what you have to do to make a business, just come out and say, that's what we're doing. And I think that's sort of a lot of the animosity that people have yeah, no, uh, I, around I, everything. Happening. Yeah, I agree. I, but and I, I was just going to iterate that. Yeah. I just want to think with, when you're building a product or you're um, talking to customers, you meet, you meet those customers where they need, where they need your solution. So if that needs to um, change a little bit and fit into Gutenberg, then, I mean, that's, that's what you do um, if you want to keep pursuing that path. If you need to, uh, if you if you're not happy with how how things are working on .org or within Gutenberg or whatever, then you know maybe you need to branch out and, and build a, a SaaS version of your product, or you know, or 
branch out to some other platform. Like if you're in e-commerce, maybe you need to look at Shopify apps or whatever. I know, I know plenty of people that are successful building Shopify apps, but they're, they have their own, you know, walled garden as well that they have to work in. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's just, you just gotta, I, so I look at it partly as opportunity, even though the changes can be, uh, jarring and, and, and you have to react quickly. I mean, that can, you know, take it out is everybody's got to play by the same rules at that point that that's in that mm-hmm. space. So, hmm. so, so I think if, if it's can make the pie bigger, then it's a good thing. Right. So if it can continue to grow the WordPress user base as a whole, then it's a good thing for everybody involved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree. And, you know, one of the things is it's, it's funny to see is when you, not funny, but, uh, when you see some of the current news and the current headlines of, you know, lead developers taking a step back and saying, you know, uh, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's too difficult. It's too political. Um, you know, accessibility leads doing the same thing. It's like, Hey, you should have tried submitting a theme like six years ago. <laughs> if you want to, you want to talk about like politics, that's all it was. Right. And, yeah. and those inner worry, and I'm sure you saw it with, with plugins, like, this stuff was sort of happening on the fringes and no one really saw it. But then as since 5.0 or excuse me, since Gutenberg affects the, the more general user and everybody at large, it, it all comes into light now. Like who's really driving this ship? Why doesn't anyone focus on this? Uh, because this is going to be a bigger impact, a lot more eyeballs on it. But there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes um, that no one was privy to. Um, but that was the grumblings of, of all this stuff years ago yeah yeah it's always they've always there's always been politics involved in wordpress and always will be yeah. right yeah it's humans man it's humans it's uh, what, yeah. what are you gonna do right what are you gonna do uh yeah wrapping up here what, what, what's the future of the podcast you guys gonna keep things going you're gonna ch- chat about things you're gonna do like uh you know bootstrap web where we hear from you maybe like you know once every month like what's going, like what's going on so we did a episode about a couple of weeks ago, and I actually said that would be my last episode for a while, simply because I've taken this step and I feel like I want to devote my entire attention to growing the business and making the product the best I can for people. So I have stepped back from it for a little while. That doesn't mean we might do a catch-up episode every once in a while, but anything regular is paused for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll keep the feed open and see how things turn out and, yeah, hopefully get updates in there and who knows we'll see kick john out get a new co-host maybe <laughs> you, that's you right man <laughs> remember when you used to sit in this seat yeah. that's uh, right man. um well awesome stuff again you guys put out some great products and you have for years uh and you know uh see you at events and stuff like that has always been a pleasure um you know and it's you join the cream of the crop, right? Both of you, Automotive and, and Sandhills Development. You know, one of you will be doing craft beer pretty soon. Another guy will be doing, you know, SaaS. Like it's, it's not just WordPress for you guys anymore. And that's All right. and that's awesome. So where can folks find you to say thanks, John, starting with you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at John Turner, uh, online, seedprod.com. Um, at Phil Dirksen on Twitter and at phildirksen.com. And yep, that's the best places. 
Awesome. Uh, everyone else, MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. Don't forget to go say thanks to these guys uh, for, well, number one, doing a WordPress podcast uh, and giving us some great information, uh, but uh, for all the hard work they've put uh, in their products uh, in the community for the last few years. We'll see you in the next episode.